I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. This week, San Francisco Supervisor Matt Haney defeated his opponent, David Campos, for the state assembly seat. It was a blowout victory that followed a contentious campaign. Both candidates are progressive, and they try to differentiate themselves on a number of issues, in particular, housing. Matt is the only assembly candidate with a record of creating, not blocking housing. Matt has a plan to supercharge affordable housing in San Francisco, ending exclusionary zoning, building 100,000 new units, and getting the homeless off the streets into treatment and shelter. Political experts say that Haney ran one of the most housing-focused campaigns in recent San Francisco history. It worked. Among those at his victory party on Tuesday night were YIMBY activists. Those are folks that are pro-housing and pro-development in San Francisco, and they threw their support behind Haney in the runoff. Now, Haney's win signals a change in the perception that progressives and YIMBY activists don't mesh. Pro-housing is a winning message for politicians like him, but what hurdles will Haney still have to contend with? Development is notoriously difficult in San Francisco. One new state bill aims to help cities tackle the housing shortage crisis, but it will still take a lot for Haney to live up to his campaign promises. Chronicle reporter Dustin Gardner is here to chat about what Haney's victory means for housing in San Francisco. He'll also explain the new state legislation on the table that is aimed at getting rid of the delays that hold up housing projects in the city and around the state. Dustin, thanks for joining Fifth Emission. Hi, thanks for having me. Dustin, both Matt Haney and David Campos were progressive candidates that shared similar values, but the issue of housing, in particular how to build housing, tipped the scales in Haney's favor. How did he differentiate himself? This was clearly the biggest dividing line in the race. Um, These guys are both very um, unabashed progressives. Their views are similar on almost every other issue. Um, So this was really the area where Haney could find some daylight between him and and Campos. Um, And he, you know, really just blanketed the city, the city's eastern side um, with, with ads, mailers, TV ads, calling himself the only candidate who, with a record of creating, not blocking housing. And he basically framed Campos as being um, an obstruction to new housing. And Campos tended to focus on protecting existing housing while Haney positioned himself as someone who can create new housing. What kind of housing are we talking about when it comes to Haney's philosophy here? Is it more affordable housing or these big development luxury projects that sometimes makes folks worried about gentrification. Yeah, Haney definitely put himself in the Yimby camp, and that is the camp of saying all of the above. Yimby activists are for market rate housing, they're for affordable housing, they're for social housing, subsidized housing. And Haney did put himself squarely in that camp. And this was definitely um, an evolution for Haney as a supervisor um, and before he got on the board of supervisors. And in the past, he has been a little little less favorable to housing. I mean, he was definitely not an ally of of Yimby activists. um, But that started to change um, in in the last few years and especially during this campaign. Um, Haney definitely went through an evolution. And now he really finds himself kind of squarely in that camp of being one of the more vocal uh, um, state legislator, soon to be state legislator. He hasn't been sworn in yet, but he finds himself in that camp of saying, really, we need all of all of the above to to deal with the housing crisis. And one big housing project that was brought up during the campaign 
which we talked about on Fit the Mission, was the Stevenson Street Project. That's the one that would have converted a Nordstrom parking lot into a 500-unit apartment complex. The Board of Supervisors ultimately rejected that proposal. But how did that project become something that resonated with voters in in this special election? The Stevenson Project was 100% the wedge issue in this election. Um, After the Board of Supervisors rejected the project, which happened last October, it it, it really became a rallying cry um, for a lot of YIMBY activists and progressives that found themselves aligned with with the YIMBY movement. Um, Haney supported the project. It was in his district. He tried to get it through the board. Um, The board blocked it. Campos you know, while he's not on the board of supervisors anymore, he he did say that he was opposed to it, um, and he explained that he didn't oppose more housing on the site, but he was concerned that he felt like the project didn't do enough to prevent um, gentrification that would ultimately displace some of the low income residents that live in that part of you know the downtown area. And so Campos was was pretty out there in saying that, and that came to be a really self inflicted wound for him. He he paid a high price for that, and the issue really just took on a life of its own. I was talking to State Senator Scott Weiner yesterday for a story about the election results, and he, he told me how after that Stevenson project decision came down, um, he was regularly being stopped by people on the street, people from all walks of life. Voters were stopping him and saying, you know, what what the heck is going on with the Board of Supervisors? Why are they blocking this project that could have brought a lot of housing to downtown? And Wiener said that that really helped Haney, just that very palpable frustration of having a project that people could point to that was blocked because of the political status quo in the city. And even progressives were split over that Stevenson Street project. And Members of the city's YIMBY movement rallied around Haney during that campaign. What does this victory mean for them as it relates to progressives? Yeah, I mean, the, this election could really be a tipping point in a lot of ways in terms of the YIMBY movement gaining more political traction in the city. Um, for a, a lot of years, for decades, really, housing advocates in the city have faced this complicated situation where there was a perception that San Francisco and its progressive values were not in alignment with the YIMBY ideology or pro-housing policies. There was just a feeling that being um, for market rate housing was some how um, in conflict with being a progressive and you know wanting to make sure that low-income people are taken care of and that gentrification isn't spreading. Um, and so a lot of the YIMBY activists I've talked to in the last day, they feel like this is a moment where that that mindset is clearly being toppled and that it's cracking. And just the scope of Haney's victory, um, it, for them, that that is a huge boost in momentum to show that um, that that kind of perceived barrier between Yimbyism and progressivism that that's falling apart. More with Dustin Gardner after a quick break. Political victories won't be enough to conquer the housing crisis in San Francisco. Dustin will talk about a new state bill that aims to remove one of the biggest hurdles to development in California, building permits. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fit the Mission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Dustin, we've talked about how a pro-housing position is a winning message for politicians, but development in San Francisco isn't easy. And one of the biggest challenges for housing projects is building permits. Tell me how that makes it hard to tackle the housing crisis. 
A lot of the policy debates that have been happening at the state legislature in recent years, they've been focused on the early part of the construction process. There's another piece of the building process that is also a big concern for developers, and that is the building permits that they have to get once a project has the initial go-ahead and construction is starting to get underway. Um, and this is dealing with things like electrical work, um, excavation, plumbing. There's there's literally dozens of permits that a, a builder might need to get for a specific project. Um, in a lot of cases, um, developers say their frustration is that they're sometimes waiting for weeks, months, sometimes years to get building permits from different cities. And um, so there's a lot of concern around that. And the thought is that this that state legislators have been so focused on making sure that denser housing can be zoned and get, you know, get its basic approval from cities, that there hasn't been enough focus on just the the red tape that needs to be cut so they can make sure that construction gets done in a timely basis. And I talked to a developer from the mission um, the other day, and he said that every project, 100% of the time, he's facing delays. That's just a regular part of their life. And the amount of money that they're budgeting for staffers and attorneys to handle those those questions, that's money that really could be used to build new housing units if they weren't spending so much time trying to get building permits. Is that particularly hard in San Francisco, or do other cities across the Bay Area and California face the same kinds of challenges? It's definitely a mixed bag. Um, in a lot of cases, developers are telling me cities are, you know, they're getting things done um, quickly, but there are bad actors um, and there are projects that kind of get stuck in, in limbo. Uh, in San Francisco, it, it, everyone I've talked to about this issue, San Francisco is perceived as being one of the more difficult cities. It just has that reputation that um, building permit reviewers for the city have a lot of leeway to make subjective decisions or they just have a, a tendency to, to sit on things and take too long. Um, the Department of Building Inspection definitely pushes back against that narrative. They say that they've made a lot of improvements in the last year in particular to try to speed things up with more over-the-counter permit approvals. Someone comes in and they get their approval um, right away. And they say that their numbers for permit turnaround time has actually been going down and things are improving. Um, but this is definitely not a new complaint from developers. Mm-hmm. And now the state is trying to do something to help with this kind of problem that we see in San Francisco. A state assembly member from Hollister, who will soon be a colleague of Haney's, introduced new legislation that could remove the log jam for building permits. How would that work? The bill from Assemblymember Robert Revis really tries to do two things to get rid of this permitting um, logjam. The first is it sets timelines for cities to review building permits. Um, cities would have 30 days for smaller housing projects, which is 25 units or fewer, and they'd have 60 days for larger projects, which is 26 units or more. And within that, those deadlines, a city would have to either um, approve or deny a, a permit. Um, they would have to make a decision to get back to the applicant, basically create it's a shot clock where cities have to make a decision so it's not totally subjective because the way it is today, there's nothing in state law requiring cities to, to act. Um, so that's the big first piece of the law dealing with deadlines. And the second piece is just making sure the, the rules of the road are clear for developers and builders. And the, the bill would aims to do that by uh, requiring cities to post a checklist of all the information they need to submit with each permit. And cities would also have to post uh, model template permits to give to give builders an example of like, this is, you know, this is the way we want your project presented because often 
the reason uh, permits are getting held up is because someone didn't format something correctly or they didn't include everything they needed to. Um, so it, it, the bill really tries to tackle both of those things. So would a bill like this actually work in San Francisco, which we know sometimes operates different than other cities in the state? Would a bill like this actually help progressive politicians like Haney fulfill his campaign promises that he's made? It's going to be interesting to watch because San Francisco seems to be taking the position that the bill might not apply to the city. There's been some discussion of that, and it's it's a really nuanced explanation, but basically the city has a different um, building permit review process than anywhere else in the state. San Francisco has a discretionary building permit process, which means neighbors can appeal any sort of building permit that someone gets. Um, other cities are not in that boat, um, but supporters of the bill that Revis is carrying say that they intend for the bill to apply to San Francisco. So I think we'll see that piece debated out. Um, and in terms of, you know, whether this could have a tangible impact in San Francisco, the, yeah, I mean, the city deals with a huge amount of building permits. Um, and the, the Department of Building Inspection said it's already making changes to try to speed up the process. So I think it seems like they know they're they're being scrutinized with the, you know, the speed that it takes to do things in the city. Um, but if this were to pass, it, it, could, it could have a massive impact. I mean, 30 days for smaller projects, 60 days for larger projects. Projects. That's a lot different than than the timelines a lot of developers tell me they face with the city today. Um, I mentioned the developer I talked to in the mission. Um, he, he said routinely decisions are taking three months. Sometimes they're taking they're taking close to a year. So I think um, you know we don't really have clear metrics exactly on how many new housing units this could create. I haven't seen anyone really do that kind of super detailed study yet. Um, but we just know from these anecdotal examples and the, the rules as they're set, that there there is a lot of delay that could just make a lot of housing come online much more quickly. So it remains to be seen whether this bill is going to actually help. But in the meantime, YMB's developers feel optimistic with this victory by Haney, right? Yeah, I mean, it's given the the pro housing movement, the Yimby movement, uh, just a huge surge of energy. I mean, Twitter has been exploding this week ever since the results came in, showing Haney had such a decisive victory. Uh, yeah, the the tweets have just been rolling in, um, and even Democrats that I would say are probably a little more moderate on housing policy. You know, Democratic legislators have been congratulating Haney on Twitter and telling him, you know, we look, we look forward to you being a leader on housing in the legislature. Um, so I think now the question in a lot of respects is going to be how, how aggressive is Haney really going to be when he's in there? You know, we talked about how he had sort of a mixed record on housing in the past. And, you know, I should note that Yimby did not endorse him in the primary, you know, they endorsed mm -hmm. Bilal uh, Mahmoud and um, Haney was only endorsed in the runoff. And so I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him for people wanting him to deliver on, you know, to the Yimby crowd that helped give him this win. Dustin Gardner is a state capital reporter at The Chronicle. Find his coverage of Matt Haney's victory and what it means for Yimby's and housing development in San Francisco at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. There you'll also find his story on AB 2234. That's the state bill that would require local governments to approve or deny building permits within a strict timeline. Thanks to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs> 